All right, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? We are live, and it is 2 p.m., and I know what you're thinking. But, Nick, you said you were going to go live around noon every day. Okay, I know I said that, but cut me some slack, all right? And you can blame my wife. She had an appointment I forgot about. So, we are live, and we have two big stories to cover today. Carrie Lake continues the fight for the people of Arizona and across the nation, and Mr. Elon Musk is going hard in the paint right now about Mr. Fauci Hitler. And interestingly, he's doing it on his own account. Pretty much all of the Twitter exposés up to date have been through uh, journalists. But he's actually calling out Fauci on his own account being seen by millions of people. Elon Musk is the second biggest Twitter account on the platform, only second to Barack Obama, and he's quickly approaching the number of uh, follower count that Obama has to to surpass him, and I'm, I'm very patiently waiting for that day. I just can't wait until Elon Musk surpasses Obama, because I have a hard time believing. How is that dude the most popular account? Uh, I mean, I feel like it's mostly bots. It has to be. And uh, so anyways, let's start talking about Kerry Lake, okay? I want to start there, and we'll get to the Fauci Hitler stuff. So there's been some there's been several updates here. First of all, Carrie Lake, uh, Maricopa County, Katie Hobbs, Mark Elias, they attempted to get sanctions on Carrie Lake's attorneys. They wanted her attorneys to pay half a million dollars to mostly go to Mark Elias. Four hundred fifty thousand of those dollars would have gone to Mark Elias. Right. This was after they technically won their lawsuit and got the case dismissed. They wanted to take it a step further and punish the attorneys for even bringing this case. And the good news is that the judge, uh, he determined that this case was not groundless. I mean, he said that there was, there was, uh, the, the claims were, were not groundless and that the election lawsuit was clearly not brought in bad faith, which is interesting given the fact that he dismissed it. I mean, if it wasn't groundless, meaning there was evidence to back up the claims and the counts brought to a courtroom. Well, then why did you dismiss it? I mean, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But even even that being the case, he still doesn't think that it's necessary to sanction Kerry Lake's attorneys, which is good news. Because if, if, if they were to have been sanctioned, this would have really uh, severely damaged any chance of appeal. There would pretty much be absolutely no way in hell that Carrie Lake could win an appeal with the appellate court or the Arizona Supreme Court at that point. So we got that going for us. But the bad news is, and this is the flip side, which not a lot of people are talking about, is that Carrie Lake still has to pay something like $30,000 for uh, Katie Hobbs' witness fees and ballot inspector fees. She has to pay for the so-called expert witness, Ryan Messias, who testified on behalf of Katie Hobbs in the county, and this was the guy that they brought in to counter the claims of Clay Perique. So they have to pay for that, and they also have to pay for the ballot inspector fees. But still, it's nowhere near the amount that they were seeking. $30,000. Carrie Lake can easily pay that. I mean, she's been, let's let's be honest, uh, she's been taking in a lot of money for legal fees, and we know that Mike Lindell paid for all of her legal costs. So her ability to challenge the election came at no cost to her at the end of the day because Mike Lindell footed the bill. So she has all this money in reserve, 
and covering the $30,000 cost isn't going to be a problem whatsoever. Now, let's talk about the actual appeal. Uh, Carrie Lake, we knew she was going to appeal, and I think she had to wait for the entire case to play out. Uh, Now that the judge has made his decision regarding the sanctions, the case is officially closed, I guess, at the lower court level. And so now uh, she's officially appealed as of last night. Now, I want to... Oops, crap, I didn't put... ah, I actually didn't... Not that that window. I didn't set up the show where I had the ability to pull up the, uh, the tab immediately. So give me one quick second. I'm sorry about that, guys. In the meantime, if you wouldn't mind smashing the rumble button, that would be... There we go. That would be amazing if you could smash that rumble button and subscribe if you haven't already. Also, given the fact that I don't, you know, go live uh, on a on a set schedule, I'm so bad with schedules. Something that would be really helpful, uh, given my inability to stick to a schedule, would be to turn on notifications for this channel. That way, you get the banner notification every time we go live. Okay. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into this appeal. So, Carrie Lake. Um, is appealing this to Division I of the Arizona Court of Appeals and also seeking direct review by the Arizona Supreme Court either by petition for emergency transfer transfer, or by special action. So she's immediately asking the Arizona Supreme Court to get involved in this appeal. And, you know, I've told you guys before, I read the judge's decision... I read the judge's ruling on the dismissal, and I'm I'm not entirely optimistic about Carrie Lake's ability to win this on appeal. However, I do think that there is absolutely major problems in this judge's decision, and I want to take you to the uh, the part that Judge what oh crap his name's Thomas or Thompson. I'm, I'm having a brain fart. The Judge Thompson? Thomas, sorry, sorry. The Judge Thomas, okay, in his decision, he said the burden of proof in an election contest is on the challenger, right? He also said the court must presume the good faith of their of the, the, the election officials' conduct as a matter of law, and all reasonable presumptions must favor the validity of an election, right? So... In this decision, he's citing court precedent and Arizona statute and basically saying that, yeah, we have a clear bias towards the people that ran the election and the burden of proof is on the challenger. Then he said, this was Carrie Lake's burden of proof here. This is what Carrie Lake had to do in order to be successful. The two counts that were allowed to go forward, she had to prove that the the BOD printer irregularities uh, the failure by the county election procedures was an intentional act. Now, I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe that in 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 Arizona statute, it says anything about having to prove intent. And the burden, I mean, the burden of proving intent is almost impossible. I mean, given the fact that you had literally no time to prepare the lawsuit, we we had we had a matter of days. We had obstruction from the county who refused to comply with FOIA requests. Uh, we weren't able to obtain email communications back and forth between the county and these texts and and the the Maricopa elections director and all this stuff. They didn't have time to craft an argument 
And yet we're supposed to we're supposed to provide not only evidence that the election results were manipulated, but also prove what was going through the people's heads that administered the election. Intent. Oh, somebody said I'm freezing. Am I freezing, guys? Is is my screen freezing just for Sparky or for everybody else? Oh man, everybody says I'm freezing. Damn it, Rumble. Of course we have technical difficulties. I'm on a roll, you know? I'm I'm all jazzed up. I'm ready to rock and roll, and of course we're having technical difficulties. So I apologize for the freezing. Not sure what I can do about that right now, but hopefully it improves. Ah man, everybody says I'm losing connection. Damn. Well, that's annoying. Just give me one quick second here. They're screwing with the interwebs. Sparky says they're screwing with the interwebs. Yes, they apparently are screwing with the frickin' interwebs, man. Hit the plus sign. Hit refresh. Try to hit refresh. See if that works. That's not good. Dang it, dang it, dang it. Yeah, just go ahead and try to hit that refresh button and see if that improves the connection quality. Dang it. Well, I don't want to continue what I'm saying until I'm pretty sure that the connection has improved and we're not cutting in and out. I'm freezing a little. Keeps freezing on us. Yes, yes, it's working, Roy says. Wow. Freezing slightly. Everybody seems to be having issues right now. Son of a biscuit. Oh, come on. Um, they said I'm back now. Nope, you're froze again. It's the man keeping us down, man. It's frickin' George Soros. It's Bill Gates. They don't want the truth to come out. So, Roy says to keep going. I'm gonna have to keep an eye on the chat. It's gonna be difficult to multitask. I'm not very good at that. But they say, just keep going. We will stay with you, man. Now, that's the kind of stuff I need to hear. We got a wolf pack out there that's committed to the truth. And Super Buff Shaft says it's not that bad. Just a little. All right, so it comes in and out randomly. No, not bad now. Okay, it's, people are saying it's good for me. It's coming through clear. All right, all right, all right. Well, thanks, guys, for being patient and sticking through that little mishap there. Hopefully, hopefully we don't have any issues from this point forward. All right. So where was I? I was talking about this judge putting the burden of proof on Carrie Lake, saying that not only did she have to prove that there was election manipulation, but she had to prove that it was an intentional act, and I don't find that anywhere in the Arizona statute. In fact, in the judge's original decision, where he allowed the two counts to go forward, he cited court precedent from the Arizona Supreme Court, and he basically said, here's what you have to prove. You have to prove either that there was fraud or that gross negligence led to um, could have could have rendered the election outcome into doubt. Okay, so you don't have to prove fraud, you don't have to prove intent, 
you just have to prove that the election improprieties, that the issues on election day were so large and put enough ballots into question that it, you know, it, it, it clears the margin of victory, which was 17,117 votes. So if you can prove 17,118 votes cannot be determined to be accurate, legal, transparent, then that would render the outcome unknown and we would have to have a new election, right? That was the burden of proof set out in his original uh, decision to allow the two counts to go forward. And here in his dismissal ruling, he's saying, no, actually you have to prove intent, which is ridiculous and, and literally impossible in a court of law. It's an impossible standard for anybody to reach. Now we can say this is the, the, the we could say this is the fault of the judge, or we could we could point the fingers at the legislature and prior judges for setting this type of precedent. But the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. People of Arizona need to pressure, I mean like never before, the legislature in Arizona to change the way that elections can be challenged because the law is absolutely ridiculous. Even the fact that you can only challenge an election within a five-day period is absolutely absurd to me. So <clears throat> the judge said that Kerry Lake had to prove that misconduct did in fact change the results of that election. Okay? And he he... He talks about each individual witness brought by Kerry Lake and says why they failed to meet this burden. Okay, so first of all, Mark Sonneclair, he was the roving attorney, and he said, um, the, the judge said about Mr. Sonneclair, that it was common sense that such widespread failures must have been the result of an intentional misconduct. But this institution, the judge says, does not square with Mr. Sonneclair's own observations. As far as evidence of misconduct is concerned, the court finds nothing to substantiate plaintiff's claim of intentional misconduct as to either claim through Mr. Sonneclair's testimony. So the judge is basically saying, it's not enough to say, yeah, common sense would tell you that ballot on-demand printers not working on election day across 30 percent of vote centers or more, then it's not enough to say common sense tells you that that was intentional. Okay, fine. All right, I'll take that one. Okay, if you're going to set that burden of proof, then fine. Common sense isn't a solid enough argument. But so then we get to Miss Honey. Miss Honey, uh, she, she was talking about the chain of custody issues. And the judge said that Miss Honey agreed during cross-examination while she has not received the Maricopa County delivery receipt forms, she knows that these forms do, in fact, exist. While she testified that the public records request has not yet been filled, to the extent there is a claim to be made for insufficient production by Maricopa County in response to a public records request, that claim is not before the court. Because plaintiff's expert agreed that the forms which are the basis for this claim were generated, plaintiff cannot point to their absence writ large as a violation of the EPM. So basically he's saying that Miss Honey testified that she knows the chain of custody forms do exist. They just haven't been given to her. The judge says, well, if they exist, then we can't claim that the fact that they haven't provided them to you means that there was any, um, me means that there was no chain of custody on these ballots. You're telling us that the chain of custody exists. 
So they just haven't responded to your FOIA request. Now, you can bring that as a separate legal challenge, but you can't bring that under the Arizona election challenge statute. So this fails as evidence uh, before the court. Fine. Okay, I'll take that one too. But here's where my real problem lies. If you're going to tell us that Kerry Lake has to prove that there was intentional manipulation and that this changed the outcome of the election, then, well, Clay Pariah proved that. Clay Pariah proved that. And in this judge's decision, where he tries to pick apart Clay Pariah's testimony, he completely neglects one of the things that Clay Pariah said. And that's why I think Carrie Lake has complete and total grounds for appeal and should win the appeal. Okay? Again, if you're going to set the burden of proof that Carrie Lake has to pr- prove intent, well, then Clay Pariah did that. Now, let me read you the judge's decision regarding Clay Pariah, and I'll tell you why I think he's dead wrong. Check this out. And real quick, guys, if you if you don't mind telling me in the chat, is this uh, stream still cutting in and out, or has it improved? Because it's like, it's really throwing me off thinking about the fact that you guys are possibly not even watching me right now. So let me know in the chat if it's improved. Um, And also, please smash the rumble button and subscribe if you haven't already. And with that said, while I'm waiting for you guys to respond, I'm going to read you what the judge said about Clay Pariah. So he acknowledges Clay Pariah had extensive credentials, that he is a subject matter expert, okay? And he knows what he's talking about. The judge acknowledges that. However, he says, Clay Pariah's primary contention was that the printer errors he saw reflected in the ARS blah 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 statute ballot review he conducted, the printing of a 19-inch ballot on a 20-inch ballot paper must have been done intentionally either by overriding the image file that was sent from the laptop to the printer or from the ballot image definition side. However, if the ballot definitions were changed, it stands to reason that every ballot for that particular definition printed on every machine so affected would be printed incorrectly. As plaintiff's next witness indicates, that was not the case on election day. Okay? So he's saying, the judge is saying, Clay Perea uh, sorry, Clay Parikh laid out two possible scenarios. Either there was manipulation of the ballot file image itself, meaning the, the county elections director created a 19-inch ballot image, or somebody overrided the settings on the ballot on-demand printers to force the printers to take a 20-inch ballot image and make it come out as 19. Those were the only two possibilities. And remember... Clay Perique said that in order for them to do that, they would have had to have administrator-level access to these ballot-on-demand printers to override the settings, okay? So then the judge says, the court notes that Mr. Perique acknowledged a fact admitted by several of plaintiff's witnesses that any ballot that could not be read due to ballot-on-demand printer or tabulator failure could be submitted for ballot duplication and duplication through door three on the tabulators. Plaintiff's own expert acknowledged that a ballot that was unable to be be read at the vote center could be deposited by a voter, duplicated by a bipartisan board onto a readable ballot, and in the final analysis counted. Thus, plaintiff's expert on this point admitted 
that the voters who suffered from tabulator rejections would nevertheless have their votes counted. And so the judge says this completely discounts the notion that the uh, the ballot-on-demand printer issues resulted in a changed outcome, which is completely ridiculous. Okay, going back up to this first paragraph, I want to make sure it's clear what I'm saying here. So the judge says that Ryan Messias's testimony and the, the 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 county elections director's testimony basically debunks Clay Parikh's testimony. Okay, because remember, Ryan Messias said if there was a 19-inch ballot image, then all of the ballots would have been printed at 19 inches. You wouldn't have seen some at 19 inches, some at 20 inches. If there was a 19-inch ballot image file, all of the ballots would have experienced this issue, and that's not what we saw on Election Day. Okay, fine, fine. But what the judge neglects to realize here, either intentionally or, I don't know, by stupidity, is the fact that, okay, well, all that means is it had to have been option two, that somebody with administrator-level access change the settings on the ballot-on-demand printers to override the 20-inch ballot image. See? Do you see what I'm saying? So, it's odd. It's odd that this judge neglects that fact. Clay Perik showed definitively that the manipulation of the ballot-on-demand printers was intentional. Okay? And Ryan Messias' testimony does not debunk that whatsoever. Ryan Messias, by the way, is a dipshit jackass. I mean, what kind of expert testimony? I mean, who, who brings Ryan Messias to testify as an expert? My pet rock is more of an expert than Ryan Messias. That guy's nothing but a Democrat operative. And so nothing that he said debunks what Clay Perique said under oath. And this whole thing about the judge saying that... um you know, even though there was these issues, the ballots at the end of the day were still counted. That uh, apparently negates the notion that the, the ballot-on-demand issues caused a changed election outcome. And here's why that's total BS. Because here's what we know about what happened, okay? What happened was you had 19-inch ballot images being printed on 20-inch paper. They were being rejected because the... The tabulator perceives that as a paper jam. I mean, think about it. You have a ballot that's supposed to be a certain size, and on the end of the ballot is an extra half inch of paper. Okay, So when you put that ballot through the tabulator, the tabulator sees that little inch of white blank paper and thinks, oh, there must already be paper inside of this tabulator. There must be a paper jam. So it, it spits the ballot back out. It cannot read 19-inch ballots. So then what happens is the ballots are put into door number three. Then they're taken to the central count, and they have different machines there. So they try to run them through again, and the, the, the machines spit the ballots back out again. And then what happens is you have a duplication team that takes the, the, the voter selections from the 19-inch ballot, prints a new one, and then transfers their voter selections onto a new ballot. And I guess the reason they do this is because there's no such thing 
as a hand-counted ballot in Maricopa County. It has to be read by the tabulator. So they take these, these ballots and they transfer the votes onto a new ballot. And then that ballot gets fed through the machine and accepted because it's 20 inches. Now, here's the thing. Remember, the judge said, I mean, these ballots at the, the end of the day were still counted, so there's no problem here. There's no proof of election fraud. Well, that's total BS, and I'll tell you why. Because when these people uh, duplicated the ballots, they copied the voter selections onto a new ballot. What they're supposed to do, what Arizona law says, is you're supposed to take the original and the duplicate, mark them, they're supposed to have matching serial numbers, and they're supposed to be put together, and when you store the ballots, the original and duplicates are supposed to be stored together. Maricopa County did none of the above. There is no way to trace the original back to the duplicate. And so it was totally possible that they could have created fake votes. They could have taken the original and changed the person's votes onto the duplicate. And we have no way of knowing that because Maricopa County did not follow the law. So we have expert Clay Parikh prove that the 19-inch ballots was intentionally happened intentionally on election day, caused the printers to print ballots that could not be read by tabulators, which forced them to be duplicated, and then they didn't follow the process so that you could make sure they didn't change anyone's votes. That is way, way, way um, more evidence than you would think would be necessary to render the outcome unknown and have a new election. And I think that that Kerry Lake absolutely has grounds for an appeal and grounds to win the appeal. But after what I saw with this judge's decision, I'm not going to get my hopes too high because clearly there is a mass, mass uh, apparatus created to protect the criminals and protect the fraud. But the good news is Carrie Lake is still fighting. She's still fighting for Arizona. She's not giving up. Um, at the very least, she she won this decision regarding sanctions. And we'll have to see how this plays out. I don't know what else to tell you. But, you know, um, this this the, the, the fraud, the, the crime, it's built into the system. It's baked into the cake. And the people of Arizona have to take a look at this and see it for what it is. And fight like hell to compel the legislature in Arizona to change how election challenges can be brought and the burden of proof and the bias within the court system. It has to come from the legislature because oftentimes, and I've seen this time and time again, when these election challenges get before a courtroom and the judge makes their decision, when you look at the actual statutes that they cite and their reasoning for their decision, sometimes it makes sense. Because that's what the law says. And it's not necessarily the judge's fault that that's what the law is. It's the legislature's fault. And so we have to fight this. I mean, we can sit here and and complain about the court system, the judicial system all day. But nothing's really going to change unless the legislature enacts new laws. Now, I saw somebody in the chat bring up a a really, really good point. It's going to be hard 
to change how elections are challenged if Carrie La- I mean if Katie Hobbs is sworn in as your governor because she can veto all that crap and so man this is just sick man it's really really sick it's sick how they've they basically basically got the entire chessboard mapped out they got their key people in positions of power to stop anybody from from getting accountability for these crimes it's absolutely sick but Carrie Lake's fighting back, and you know, I have a sneaking suspicion that if Carrie Lake does not win her appeal if in, in the appellate court, in the Supreme Court, Arizona Supreme Court, or Federal Supreme Court, I have a feeling she's going to trans, um, transfer into a new role as Trump's 2024 VP pick. And I say this because she's met with Trump at Mar-a-Lago multiple times. Uh, she's been asked about it, and she really hasn't given a clear answer. And if she didn't plan on doing that, uh, or if she was opposed to that, then she would just flat out say no. But she's kind of hinted around that, you know, that's a possibility. And so um, I don't think Carrie Lake's going to stop fighting. I think she's going to continue down this path regardless of what happens in the courts with her with their, uh, lawsuits. So, you know, my hat's off to Carrie Lake. What more can you ask for? I mean, we had so many of these Republicans just roll over and take it up the butt by the deep state and not, I mean, just straight up concede, not even fight back, not even claim that there was issues, including Doug Mastriano. That one was massively disappointing. Um, Laxalt, you know, you had all these guys, Blake Masters, just roll over and take it. And particularly Doug Mastriano, who was there in Gettysburg with Rudy Giuliani and all these experts and these these election workers and people that were contracted by Dominion sitting down and and testifying that they watched 2020 be rigged. And so Doug Mastriano knows that there's election fraud and he saw the obstruction from the the Senate in Pennsylvania trying to block any transparency or accountability. And so when the election gets rigged against him and then he just basically just concedes I mean, it was really disappointing. So, Carrie Lake, on the other hand, continues to fight, continues to tell the truth, and it's not her fault that the entire system is rigged. All right, now we're gonna we're gonna transition into the Elon Musk going ham on Fauci story. But first, I would ask you guys to smash the rumble button. We got about twelve hundred people watching, and I would also ask that if you're new to this channel, to subscribe because we're constantly dropping bombs. We're constantly covering all. MAGA related news exposing the deep state and uh, you know we're a community here it's like a it's like a big family you know and I want you to be a part of that also turn on notifications because boy I'm not good with schedules so at least you'll get that banner notification when we go live also consider checking out the affiliate links in the description protect your retirement at nicklovesgold.com get your free IRS loophole kit you can also save $250 on a three-month emergency food kit at my patriot supply and 66% off of all my pillow products using promo code Nick. And one last thing, uh, if you guys if you guys would join the nickmoseeder.locals.com community, you'll get an extra video every single week. Now, let's get into this. So, this is freaking epic and amazing. Because Elon Musk, again, is the second biggest Twitter account on the platform. The richest man in the world. All eyes are on Elon Musk. 
And he has pinned a tweet exposing Fauci for conducting gain-of-function research. And in another tweet, he basically says gain-of-function research should be uh, basically what it is is it's creating a bioweapon. So effectively, he's accusing Fauci Hitler of creating a, a freaking bioweapon. And this is a pinned tweet, right? He's not doing this through a proxy. He's not doing this through a journalist. He's straight up calling this dude out. And it's epic. The, the left is having a total freaking meltdown. And before we get into the details, I want to point something out to you guys, which I find odd. So, so let's take a look at this tweet right here. Elon Musk says, New Twitter policy is to follow the science, which necessarily includes reasoned questioning of the science. Right? So this tweet was posted 34 minutes ago. And you can see, because they've added this new feature, you can see how many people have seen this tweet. And it's 3.3 million. Now, when you look at this tweet here, posted 12 hours ago, and it's it's making headlines, um, it's, a, it's a massive deal, it's his pinned tweet. For some reason, we only see 1.6 million views on this tweet. So I started to wonder, I was like, is Elon Musk being shadow banned on his own platform? Because that, that those numbers just don't make any sense. This tweet should have at least 15 million views. But for some reason, there's half the amount of views on this, which was posted 12 hours ago, and it's his pinned tweet, as this tweet 35 minutes ago, which is not nearly as significant. Pretty much everything that Elon Musk has tweeted has far more views. I just, I don't know. I just find that very odd. So Elon is um, tweeting out this article. Says there's some good nuggets in this article. Important to note that Fauci authored 2012 paper arguing for gain-of-function research. Obama wisely put this on pause, but Fauci restarted it. So we know for a fact, I mean, this is not news to us, but it is news to a lot of other people who have, I mean, because a lot of these people on the left, what they have a problem with is appeals to authority, right? They, it doesn't matter what the information is. And all that matters to them is who is saying it, right? An appeal to authority. Like they look at these legacy corporate run media outlets like the New York Times, Politico, CNN, and whatever they say goes, despite the fact that it's completely flawed. Um, it, It clearly paints a narrative in favor of one party they don't care they look at these uh, they, they look at these outlets as authorities they look at fauci as an authority and they have it's because they have daddy issues i mean pretty much everybody on the left has freaking daddy issues man so like i know that this information has been out there for a long time and this isn't news to us but it is news that elon musk who for a long time the left just freaking loved him, adored him because, you know, he, he he supported a lot of the things that they believe in, you know, and he was seen as a moderate. All of a sudden, this dude has completely done a 180 and is exposing the corrupt Democrats, uh, exposing Fauci. And I know that there's a lot of these lefties that are calling him a dictator and, and they're 
Um, they're completely rejecting him. They're saying that he's uh, joined the Trump cult and promoting QAnon conspiracy theories. But I think a lot of those people are either paid shills or bots. Don't get it twisted. There is a lot of people, independent, moderate, in the middle, looking at this and saying, holy crap, if Elon Musk is saying it, then I got to rethink all this stuff because he's a smart dude. He's the, like the richest man in the world. And uh, if he's saying this, maybe there's some truth to it. Trust me when I say that what Elon is doing is having a massive impact on the global debate stage. Trust me. So we know that Fauci Hitler, uh, who was the head of the NIAID, which is part of the NIH, was funding EcoHealth Alliance to conduct gain-of-function research up until 2014. Interestingly, the Obama administration, I mean, put a stop to it or put a pause on it, and yet, EcoHealth Alliance, under Fauci, diverted $600,000 in grants uh, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology between 2014 and 2019, during this period that it was supposed to be completely put on hold, uh, you know, because of possible uh, dangers and ethical questions to gain-of-function research. Now, Fauci denied under oath that the NIH had been funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan. But we had The Intercept, who had a, a FOIA lawsuit, obtain documents, and prove that, in fact, they were doing this. They were studying bat coronaviruses to, and, and making them more transmissible to humans. Okay? And so, what basically, what we know for a fact is that after the Obama administration put a halt to gain-of-function research... Basically, Fauci and his cronies uh, just moved the operation to Wuhan, China, where there was less oversight. And we also had the Project Veritas uh, leak, if you guys remember. It was regarding a DARPA report and people within the government uh, blowing the whistle. And, and Project Veritas showed that not only was this gain-of-function research going on, but the NIH actually flagged the research in Wuhan. They caught wind of this. They realized they were doing um, what they were doing was unethical and, and illegal. And they told them the NIH actually reached out to EcoHealth Alliance and said, you guys are out of compliance. And uh, if you don't get into compliance with our policy regarding gain of function, then we are going to pull your federal funding. And what Project Veritas showed is that all of a sudden, after they flagged them, they gave my I think, 15 days. They said, you need to change what you're doing or we're going to pull your federal funding. After that happened, then, um, like, basically, Peter Daszak of EcoHealth Alliance wrote up a new definition of gain-of-function, submitted it to the NIH, and then that new language that Peter Daszak wrote was implemented. So, effectively... The guy doing the gain-of-function research, who was caught, was allowed to change the definition so he could keep doing it. So not only, did, not only do we know that the NIH was funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan, we know that there was a clear attempt to evade accountability for it, and all of this happened under Anthony Fauci. Okay, this is what we've been saying for a long time. And now Elon Musk is putting a big, fat spotlight on it. 
And not just that, but taking it a step further. He's, he's, um, he showed that he lied under oath to Congress, right? But check this out. We got some more tweets and stuff that I didn't even know, to be honest with you. So Elon highlights the fact that despite these uh, glaring issues, Twitter had an internal Slack channel unironically called Fauci Fan Club. So, we know Elon has access to all the internal communications at Twitter. And he says he's discovered a Slack channel, which is basically like a group chat, called Fauci Fan Club. (laughs) These people are sick, man. Like... They what what does this even what does this even mean? They had a they had a they had a freaking group chat, all these lefties within Twitter worshiping Fauci and talking about how great he is. And 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 the best part about this is while he highlights this, he also invites community notes to fact check this. He says, I invite community notes to correct or amend this. If it's not true, okay, call me out then. And so we know that this is just the beginning, right? We know that Elon plans to... He keeps teasing a release of more Twitter files relating to Fauci and COVID. And I think we can safely assume that the next dump will include whatever internal communications were going on inside of this uh, Fauci fan club <laughs> and show that you know the, there's a complete left-wing bias uh, infesting Twitter and that they were running cover for their obvious lord and savior, Anthony Fauci. And I think this is going to really, uh, so-called, wake up a lot of freaking normies. But that's not all, okay? So we also have, check this out, another tweet from Elon. Whoops, there it is. Where he exposes the fact that Fauci's wife was actually the head of the bioethics at NIH. Now, I didn't even know this. Apparently, a lot of other people did. And they said, we've been trying to call this out since the beginning, and we were getting censored on Twitter for it. Now, Elon takes over, and he's actually posting about it. So check this out. Christine Grady is is uh, Fauci's wife, right? And basically, um, she was the head of the bioethics, which is an arm of the NIH. And what that, what, what the bioethics at NIH is in charge of is basically directing policy. So Elon says almost no one seems to realize that the head of bioethics at NIH, the person is, who is supposed to make sure that Fauci behaves ethically, is his wife. Now, I want to be clear here. The bioethics... Um, arm of NIH is not oversight. So in a way, I guess it's not technically correct to say it's her job to make sure that Fauci behaves ethically, but she is in charge of issuing uh, guidance and directives regarding policy of ethics at the NIH. So this is Fauci. Fauci's wife is in a position to direct and dictate the policy by which Fauci has to abide by. Now, that's sick, man. And here we have just continual exposures of people in uh, key positions, powerful people, with proxies inside the 
the inside Twitter. I mean, we 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 discovered that uh, John Podesta's niece was in a, a high level position, and she was allowing child kitty porn and child trafficking to go on on the site for over a decade. And interestingly, I mean, Podesta of all people, who we know his brother had all this sick satanic uh, imagery in his home and all this weird artwork, and we had the the Pizzagate scandal and WikiLeaks showing that they speak in coded language of what appears to be, you know, involvement in child sex trafficking, just so happens that this dude's niece is working at Twitter and allowing kitty porn. Despite numerous complaints and requests for them to do something about it, we also found out that Jim Baker, who was uh, the former deputy general counsel for the FBI, then became Twitter's general counsel, uh, that, that he was in there, right? And he was basically acting as a proxy for the FBI. And we also find out that um, that Fauci's daughter, Fauci's daughter, Allison Christine Fauci, worked as a software engineer at Twitter. And Elon is well aware of this. He replied to this tweet and said, concerning. So this is just freaking insane, man. I mean, think about this. Think about this. Fauci, the top paid employee of the federal government, had an operative inside one of the biggest sources of information available to the public to completely steer the conversation if she wanted to as a software engineer. I don't know what she did. We haven't seen uh, the receipts on that. But... As a software engineer with the ability to effectively write script and algorithms to censor uh, content that exposed her dad's crimes, that was well within her reach. So Fauci had a proxy within Twitter. Podesta had a proxy within Twitter. The FBI has tons. I mean, we found a list of over 15 former FBI employees within Twitter. And all of this is being brought to the light. All of this. And it's freaking amazing. And uh, I think this is just an introduction. I mean, I think that Elon is, given that he's well aware that Fauci's daughter either previously or currently works at Twitter, I think he would know for a fact that, I mean, what she was doing. And he's decided to draw attention to it. So how, I mean... I, I would assume he knows it all. He, he would be well aware if she were to write script or, you know, algorithms to censor so-called COVID misinformation. And remember, there's a lawsuit, Missouri versus Biden, which they're suing the entire Biden administration, including Fauci, for uh, colluding with big tech to suppress speech. And it's a First Amendment lawsuit. And so all of this can be used as evidence. This is all this is all uh, fair game to be used in a court of law as part of an ongoing case against the federal government and collusion with big tech. And let's let's take it a step further. How easy would it be for Fauci to pick up the phone and call his daughter and have something removed from Twitter? I mean, it would be really freaking easy. And I don't think for a second I believe 100% that that happened. 
I would just assume because it it would be so easy. And we know from the first uh, Twitter files dump that they were absolutely rigging the narrative around COVID. There was there was an immense pressure from the FBI during their weekly communications. They were sitting down with them. There were angry phone calls, and the FBI was extremely involved in pressuring Twitter uh, trust and safety and the rest of the staff to uh, censor uh, conservatives and doctors and public health officials and people speaking out against the vaccines. So this, this, this rabbit hole just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And I know that there's a lot of people that have been a little critical of how Elon Musk has decided to roll out this information, you know, just drip, drip, drip. And it's little by slow. But here's the thing. A lot of these people that have been living in this cult, this completely distorted paradigm, uh, this completely false worldview, where people like Fauci are, you know, like, I mean, some of these people think Fauci's one of the greatest people to ever live. And it's odd, because these left-wing idiots, I mean, (laughs) the dude, like, Aren't you guys supposed to be like LGBTQ plus whatever? And here's the dude that like, didn't he allow a bunch of gay people to die of AIDS? I mean, wasn't he, wasn't he directly involved in that? You would think, you you would think this wouldn't be their guy, but it is. And for them to get all of this all at once, all of this disgusting uh, collusion between the federal government and, and, big tech, and to to realize that their Lord and Savior Fauci and all these other people are nothing but a bunch of crooks that have been lying to them and distorting the truth and violating uh, constitutional am- amendments to circumvent and, and, take, and take away their rights. That's a lot for a person to take in all at once. You know, you have confirmation bias. You have denial. Denial is very powerful. And when you... When you try to give somebody too much at once that conflicts with beliefs that they previously held, then their mind rejects it. You know? So this is a slow, gradual thing. And I think that it's necessary to drip this out in little installments slowly but surely. But man, this is this is pretty freaking interesting. So, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that the technical issues improved and the, uh, the transmission was clear for you guys. We are in interesting times, man. It's uh, I hate everything that's happening, man, but boy, is it a... What a time to be alive, man. It's, it's, it's just hard to process how much, how much is coming in on a daily freaking basis. We are living in like a freaking dystopian nightmare, but there's also this massive resistance, this great awakening. There's all these people out there. I mean... I'm just some dude, right? I have no background in journalism. I I have a degree in psychology, but I'm not an expert in anything really. And then the the Great Awakening has has been so successful and people have stopped trusting mainstream media sources so much that they would rather get their news and information from some ginger, you know, from some freaking ginger in his spare bedroom, then CNN, Politico, the Daily Beast. You know that, that that's where we're at. This is the this is a testament 
to the amount of people that have rejected this, these lies that they've been told, the indoctrination, the regime, the fact that all of you guys are here. So with that said, I want to uh, thank you all for watching. Thank you for tuning in and encourage you guys to please hit that subscribe button. Turn your notifications on. I'm going to try. I'm trying to get a schedule somewhat and go live pretty much every weekday around noon. And also, please consider going to nickmoseeder.locals.com. And you guys can get an extra video, extra live stream every week by becoming a supporter. And that's one of the main ways to support. I'm completely supported and backed by you guys and your support. And Locals is a big part of that. So uh, even if you don't care about the platform Locals itself, becoming a supporter is incredibly helpful to allow me to do what I do. And uh, Citizen Lens <laughs> says, let's talk about your health for $1. I assume that's uh, tongue-in-cheek. That's what X-22, you know, the start of his ads. Let's talk about your health. Many people in the country are experienced. <laughs> that's funny, man. You caught me off guard with that. It ended up fine. Thanks, Nick. Good, 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 good. Glad I'm glad that the transmission came through clear. Uh, we got a lot of people watching, so very exciting. I think. Oh yes, we are on the front page of Rumble on the editor's feed, which means a lot of new people are going to be clicking on this here channel. So, did Lake lose? Area Fifty Two says so appealed. Technically, in the lower courts, she she lost. Um, she just filed the appeal last night. The judge dismissed. Well, initially he dismissed eight out of ten counts, allowed two to go to trial. And then dismissed, uh, based on, he said, a lack of evidence, the final two counts. So, Carrie Lake is appealing this decision. Yes, she is appealing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to shut this down. Make sure, again, to subscribe, turn the notifications on, tune in tomorrow around the same time, around, around noon. Could be 12.30, could be 1, could be 11.30. Who knows? It's a freaking mystery. But uh, again, thanks for watching, and I will see you next time.